What's up, fam? It's Dr. O here, and I want to talk about seven steps to raising confident black children. This is something that I'm extremely passionate about. Number one, I'm, I'm a product of the American educational system, our public school system. Number two, my, my, my parents are retired professors. I have also taught on every level from kindergarten to graduate school. I do this work on teaching black and brown boys on how to teach them in public, private, and charter schools across the country. And quite honestly, I am the parent of one son and two daughters. So this is something that is extremely important to me and I've been dealing with for my entire life before I became an educator, just being a student. So we're gonna talk about seven steps that can be instructive for you, whether you're a teacher, a parent, or someone who's just in proximity of black children and you're figuring out ways to help them raise their confidence. So I'm gonna tell you what the seven steps are first and then we're gonna break them down. Number one is curate their music. Number two is curate their television. Number three, be intentional with your language. Number four, give them names that mean something. Number five, monitor their diet. Number six, monitor or outright ban social media. And number seven, go beyond Wakanda. All right, let's talk about it. Number one, when I talk about curating that music, we have to be intentional. When I was teaching on elementary school level, I was so frustrated when parents would drop their kids off and the latest songs that were out playing the most misogynistic lyrics were, were, were playing in the, in, in the cars as the kids were getting out of school. Now, there's a whole lot of reasons as to why discipline problems are occurring in a school, but we have to remember that setting our kids off with certain music can also set them off when they get to school. You want to spend the beginning of your days in giving the children something inspiring, maybe some motivational talks, some, 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 something from your religious text if you're a religious person, just anything that can help them get into their mood in, in a positive sense. So when I say curate their music, you have to be intentional about letting them hear things that inspire them, or at the very least, don't degrade them or the people who look like them. As it relates to my children, I go through all of the music that they listen to and I introduce them to a lot of the music. Now I know they are going to be exposed to other music. My, my daughter's being 12 and 10. I know they're going to be exposed to other things from other people and, 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 and links. They have cell phones and the like. I get that, but they know that in this household, there's a certain type of music that we're going to allow. And quite honestly, they are into it. So they are, they, they've heard everything from Kendrick Lamar and Taylor Swift and Jay-Z and Lou, who's a French artist. But we also introduce them to other music, like people like Yusu Endure or, or people from uh, other countries like Black M from France. Because if they can memorize a Cardi B song, they can also memorize a song in French so why, or, or a song in Swahili. So curate that music. Be intentional about giving them music that they can listen to that can be inspirational and not detrimental to, to their culture. Number two, curate that television, y'all. I made so many mistakes with my, my, my son is four. So I've had more experience raising my girls first or my oh man, just even thinking about this gets me a little bit emotional, but I made the mistake in the beginning of letting them watch all of the, this is pre princess and the frog, you know, letting them watch all of the Disney stuff without introducing them to critical thinking. So once I started introducing them to critical thinking, I was a lot more comfortable. But when my daughter was two and I called her a princess and she said, I'm not a princess. And I started thinking about all of the things that are out there that we were seeing at the time. Look at all the Disney movies. They, they, they glorify whiteness. So Snow White, Belle, 
the list goes on and sleeping beauty everything is about beautiful and white and so my daughter did not associate that with with her and so we had and i was afraid like is somebody gonna come up to dr o's kids and and he she, you know she's gonna fail the uh the, the the doll test or something so you know my wife and i we went really in on making sure that we had to start working on teaching her about our culture a lot earlier. I thought I was going to have to start around maybe five, six, seven years old. But once we went in on it, she started to really understand it. And so once she realized she was descendant of kings and queens, she would go to my my, uh, my wife's job and say, hey, are you a king? Are you a queen? I'm a, I'm a princess. And so she finally understood that. But there was another side to it as well, raising daughters. I didn't want them to just be exposed to the Disney princess feeble-minded woman who always needs a man's help type of thing. And so I also got them into comic book characters as well. And that's when I started to see their confidence grow, when they started seeing people like Storm and Wonder Woman and people who, who they saw strong women doing strong things. That also helped them a lot. And so nowadays I tell my, my kids they can watch anything, but they have to be able to ask questions. Like, why are there no black people in this TV show I'm watching? Or why are the black men in the show idiots? Why are the darker skinned black women not seen that deemed as intelligent? And and the list goes on and on and on. So it's really important that we teach them how to ask these questions because then the follow-up question is, if they are not representing you properly in these films and television shows, why are you watching? This leads to some incredible conversations, so I strongly encourage you to get involved in curating their television and watching things with them. There are so many things out there you can get. Teddy P. Brains, Adventures of Brea Rabbit, there's, and just the list goes on and on and on. The next one is you have to be intentional with your language. This is connected to the music and entertainment, but if they're listening to you use N-words and B-words all the time around them, this is language they are going to start to develop as well. If we want kids to be strong and confident, we have to use strong and confident terminology around them because really at the end of the day we have to be the ones that show them healthy relationships and part of it starts with healthy language so if you know that your child around you is using is hearing you and, and your spouse or mate or just siblings or anybody using foul language they're going to take that with them they're going to take that with them so if you want them to be confident use language that inspires confidence in terms like n-word and b-word that they hear from all of us way too much that's not helping build them as confident individuals. So you have to remember, you have to be intentional because what they hear more than what you say is what they're going to do. So you always have to be mindful of that. Let's talk about giving people, giving our kids names that mean something. Now, when people say, hear me say this, they may think I'm talking about Bill Cosby and all and his rant he went on a couple of years ago. Nope. I'm not that dude. I don't care if you name your kid Mufasa or if you name your kid Michael. What I mean is it has to mean something. They have to know the history of the people they are being named after. So when you say you are a Bakari, there's strength there. You are a Johnson, there's strength there. What I mean by that is I don't think that it's, it's strong to just give names that don't have any direct connection to anything. So if you have an aunt who was named uh, Laquisha or an aunt who was named uh, Musao or whatever it is, and there's power there, give that to them. Because in their darkest moments, they can say, I'm named after someone and I'm carrying on this legacy. If you're inspired by Katherine Johnson and decide to name your child Catherine, whatever it is, 
Again, your intentionality ex- is extremely important. So don't look at that name as something powerful. Look at that name as something that's going to car- they're going to carry with them for the rest of their lives. So they know that they're walking in, in, in greatness. And it's not about whether they have a lot of money or anything, but they have a name that can give them confidence and inspire that. So make sure you're giving them names that, that mean something. Next thing you have to do is you got to monitor your diet. So many challenges that we have in this country are related to our diet as it relates to depression, as it relates to hyperactivity. The list goes on and on and on. And in so many situations, for those of us who don't live in more well-to-do communities, we have so many food deserts where it's hard to, where it's easier to find alcohol than than an organic apple and junk food is just abundant everywhere and then there's a whole situation with even the way some of us receive our government assistance and what those funds can be used for so we have to really do our best to start monitoring our, our, our children's diet. And there are many ways we can do that. We can car, you know, some of us may be able to carpool and, and share gas and expenses with someone who has a car on the block that can maybe get to a supermarket where we can get access to healthier foods. We can also do things like get access to, to, to more drinking more water if we're in spaces where there's, there's more access to it. The diet is extremely important and our, and our diet is so focused on processed foods that it becomes problematic. And even in the most uh, whatever you want to call it, the fast food restaurants, they are introducing more healthy options. But if we're conditioned to just going for the cheeseburgers and going for the fries and going for the things that are clogging our arteries, we're doing the same thing for our children. There's a reason why America has the highest obesity rate of any country in the world. And there are serious problems that are associated with that. So we really have to do our best to do a better job at monitoring the diet and start working towards making healthy food choices. I live in the hood, right, in Southeast D.C. And and so many people say, well, I'm in the hood. That is that I can't do anything. No, there are communities gardens that are popping up. There are mobile food trucks that are popping up to help people. There's always an option uh, if you choose to search for it. We have to do this because when our kids are, are out of shape and when our kids are eating things that are not good for them, again, it leads to depression. It leads to hyperactivity. And all of these things leads us down the road towards towards prison, towards getting kicked out of school, towards a whole bunch of disciplinary problems that we just don't need. The diet is connected and it just cannot be ignored. Next step, you got to monitor or ban outright social media and internet usage. Look, at the end of the day... You would be amazed. I speak in schools all across the world. And in the United States, I run into elementary school students who have Facebook pages and Snapchat pages and Instagram pages and, and all of these things. There's nothing that can positive that can occur uh, for, for a 10-year-old having an unmonitored social media page. If you're going to let them have something, at the very least, you got to monitor it. You can't just let them have these apps because they are seeing they are seeing people put their best foot forward, the best pictures, the best bodies, the best this, the best that, and that's just leading to depression. That's just leading to more depression because they are realizing that they will never look a particular way. They don't realize that what they're seeing online is manufactured perfection. And so if you're going to allow them to do it, you have to monitor it. You have to be on their pages. And if they're not feeling that, remember who the parent is. All right. You have to make that decision. And on some of these websites like YouTube, you can go to YouTube Kids where they can start getting a little bit of exposure to that and not be in situations where they just hit click. And all of a sudden they're seeing everything that the wild internet has to offer. So you really have to get involved in monitoring or or banning outright that social media. And lastly, family, we got to go beyond Wakanda. 
So, you know, the, 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 the Black Panther movie was so significant for all of us. And look, I saw it three times and then in 2D, 3D and 4D. And then I went and bought the DVD and bought the digital copy. I probably put in over $300 into that movie by going with my family and everything. But one of the things that we have not taken advantage of is a teachable moment. So many of our kids were inspired to see it, but did we go beyond Wakanda? And what I mean by that, we, we, we could have used that as an opportunity to start introducing them to so many things African. I, I saw somebody on social media who said, uh, my, my kid is from Zimbabwe and somebody, the kids asked him, uh, hey, have you been to Wakanda? And he said, no, I haven't been there. There's forest fields around it. And it made me think about when I was a kid and just being named Omeku and going, I was beaten up and tormented because of my name. And now just like in the in the mid 90s when Public Enemy and X-Clan came out and it was kind of cool to be African. You know, there's a cool to be African thing going on right now. And we can take advantage of that by introducing them to things like uh, Dr. Henry Louis Gates's uh, Africa's Great Civilizations. There are so many movies and documentaries and songs that relate back to what I was talking about in steps one and two. We have to go beyond Wakanda and getting them engaged in things right now. The movie was all about highlighting engineering, get them involved in, in NSBE programs, National Society of Black Engineers, you know, so they can be like Shuri, so they can be like T'Challa, right? Let's get them involved in that, actively engaged in that right now, because otherwise it's just going to be a movie whose time came, but whose time has passed. So really, at the end of the day, I believe that if you follow these seven steps, you will be on the path towards raising confident black children. If you feel that you're really strong in six of them and you can tighten up another one, go ahead and do it because they are worth it. You have to realize that we have to be the ones to ground our children in reality and in understanding their greatness. We can't send them to schools that we consider to be great, maybe because they're private schools or they're in a quote-unquote nice neighborhood or a great charter school and, and or a strong public school and expect them to do that. You are the number one person responsible for helping your child walk out that door with confidence. And so these steps can help you in many ways. And I would love to engage with you in conversations about this in any way I can help. But I believe that you have to have the ability that the, the understanding that no matter what your resources are, it starts and ends with you. You are the one who had them. You are the one that has to be responsible for making sure that they build their confidence. We can do it because our children are more valuable than anything else. So let's make sure that we're putting our time and energy into them because they're worth it. Peace. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.